Steve Glare got gonna Fulcha on shut a pot steel radio. Is Misha Mayo Heli and Agoni. Augustine New Tommy in Driglon Boan Rish Lesh on guest new an Art Rigadoriak Miho Bernak Fulcha on show Miho. Uh, to everyone in podcast land, welcome to another episode of Potsdill Radio. This is the 10th and final episode in our special quarantine series. I am delighted to be here again in Boan Distillery with a very special guest, the head distiller of Boan Distillery, uh, Mr. Michael Walsh. Welcome to the show, Mike. Uh, thank you very much for having me. And before we get kicked off, I do want to say a very big thank you to our sponsors uh, for not only this episode, but the entire of the quarantine series. First, this episode is brought to you by the PX series, single malt whiskies, gently finished and sherry cast by W.D. O'Connell Whiskey Merchants, a different kind of Irish. Follow O'Connell Whiskey across all platforms or visit W.D. O'Connell for more details. And what's your treat this week? Why not enjoy a clone 10 year old cast strength whiskey or a delicious flame fed pot still pudging? All available online. Check out clonedistillery.com for more information. And of course, if you want to try either of these whiskies, you can find them on irishmalts.com who have all of the latest and greatest Irish whiskies, gins, and putchings delivered straight to your door. Visit irishmalts.com to browse their full range. So, Michael, I am delighted to be joined with you here. This is following on from episode nine with uh, Mr. Fanon O'Connor, PhD historian and author, um, who has undertaken uh, resurrecting vintage mash bills across kind of 200 years of, of Irish whiskey history. Um, and he is the man with the archival knowledge, but you are the man with the distilling knowledge who worked alongside him to resurrect all of these mash bills that included the likes of oats, wheat and rye in, in higher quantities than we would be re used to, I suppose, uh, in modern uh, day distilling. Um, why don't you talk to us about, I suppose, what your thoughts were or how the, the project was first broached to you and, and I suppose, overall, what's it like distilling all these mash bills? Um, it's been an absolute honor and a privilege to be part of it first of all i i, I first um first came across phenon um i can't remember the first time but it was most likely in a bar or a back bar or a snug somewhere uh, or maybe even uh in a distillery but um ever since i've known him he's um he's waxed lyrical and been um, a fountain of knowledge about ireland's distilling past and uh, uh, anybody, any of your listeners or anybody that's ever had the, been fortunate enough to hear him speak on the subject um, can tell uh, can tell how, how enthusiastic he is, but you can't help but become enthusiastic yourself, uh, or that's certainly the way I've felt. I, I've been, um, I, I obviously read the, his book, um, A Glass Part, and I, I've listened to him speak a lot of times, been fortunate enough now to call him a, a close friend and, and speak one-on-one -on -one about the subject, and um, yeah, usually, the two was I'm happy I'm delighted to any opportunity I get to to speak um, with him on on the subject um, over the last over the years he's obviously enlightened me more and more more about the the, the the history that Irish whiskey has and particularly what how the mash bills were probably very different to what we what modern whiskey um, uh, the way modern Irish whiskies and even modern Irish pasta was produced and so over the years I've done little bits and bobs with him um, on more just out of a curiosity to satisfy my curiosity to satisfy his um, working in small quantities and little microbrewery sized things but uh, I suppose recently more recently um, he's taken uh, on actually writing a whole 
PhD on the, on, on the topic and um, yeah, we decided to do something more structured or to help them out and do something more structured and actually do them on a more industrial scale. So yeah, uh, where Fanon, I suppose, had more of the, the knowledge of what all these mashables were and how they were produced um, and had a dream or an aspiration to have them actually produced. That's where we at Boan, I suppose myself, um, were more than happy to, to, to join up and to actually be able to produce something tangible. So he wasn't just talking hypothetically what these things tasted like um, or how they were produced or the difficulties that um, were part of producing these distillates. We actually set about finding out. So yeah, for a few weeks there before, over a month before Christmas there, we set about um, reproducing mash bills that were in many cases produced over 100, 150 years ago. So when you get presented with this idea the first time in, in the boardroom, no doubt, um, what goes through your head as a distiller being told, you know, obviously from a from a you know an enthusiast point of view, amazing idea to try to recreate these, but from a practical distilling point of view, you know, the nobody's been working with high percentages of, of oats, wheat, or rye really on an industrial scale for at least 70 to 100 years at this point. Um, from a from process point of view, what what was were there alarm bells or was it all going to be plain sailing in your head? Um, uh, well, I suppose the first time I heard about the idea was in the boardroom here at Boam, but Fanon has been talking about these mashables for as long as I've known him or these type. And so, like I said, it was maybe five or six years ago at this stage that so we did it on a micro scale. In my past role in Dingle, I tried to help him out and see what we could make and distill it in gin still, and we did all different kinds of things to try and approach it. A lot more difficult than what we'd be able to do here. Distilling, distilling with, or sorry, brewing with grains other than your malted barley, each different grain presents its own different challenges and, and especially when bringing them in different combinations then produces their own difficulties. Um, but a whole lot of the reason that I've come here or, or, or in the distillery in the first place was that there was an aspiration and an aspiration I knew before going here to produce these type of mash builds and uh, before ever talks of collaborating with, with Fanon. Um, but also the facility here is, with that in mind, is geared and, and better place to be able to process them. Um, so I I suppose if I was thinking logically, I, would, I should have been more concerned about all the difficulty and the challenges that they posed. But, I mean, the excitement to be part of the project far outweighed any um, potential concerns, which is probably pilots in my foolishness sometimes. But, uh, um, but yeah, yeah, no, I was, I, I've, I've been enthusiastic, maybe not to the Fanon O'Connor levels of enthusiastic from day <laughs> one, but uh, I, I certainly, I, I, I think it's, it's, um, it, it was a fascinating project, fascinating project to be part of such a there's such a rich rich history and there's so much talked about this history and what it was potentially like but nothing tangible like Fanon or maybe yourself or I've heard people talk about 1920s this and 1930s that and taste I can say that I've never been fortunate enough to taste any of these old distillates from any of these lost mash or lost distilleries so for me I get myself all excited about it and the potential without that necessarily ever being a real thing I, like you could be talking i can hear fanon and or anybody else and they can convince me about the merits of all these different grains and how great the distillate from 
whatever distillery was 100 years ago and you can see how popular it was worldwide so it must have been good but at the same time that's just until you actually have something tangible and to taste and um, you never really know so um, so that was my, my, my initial reaction was straight up enthusiasm um, but and that's and it was easier to be straight up and, and, and enthusiastic and not have the same concerns um, as maybe other facilities or other distilleries would have given that um, the equipment that we have here is catered towards um, being able to process these different grains. So what is it about the equipment in Boan that, that is set up specifically for processing grains like this? Um, well, it's namely the, the, the MCV or the mash conversion, conversion vessel. So um, uh, most distilleries in the country wouldn't have a mash conversion vessel. Um, they would just simply have some form of a, a larger ton or a mash ton. Um, and the, the, the main difference between, uh, to explain what a, a mash conversion vessel is, is, is a jacketed tank. So it's that you put your grain and your water in there and then you have the tank, the, 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 the vessel itself has the capacity to heat the, the, the grains or the, the mash. Um, whereas a louder, or the louder tun that we would have here, you would mash in at a specific temperature and then you can, it sits at that temperature. So for, for something like malt, that's okay. When you're just working with malt, you put it in around 63 or so and, and your, your starch is break down and it's all converted and that's all fine. But um, when you start introducing things like um, unmalted barley, um, you need to introduce uh, temperature, like you need to introduce like a protein stand at 50 degrees, but if you put in at 50 degrees then you don't activate the enzyme. So when you go into a louder, you're kind of stuck at one specific temperature and you can only really raise the temperature by adding more water in on top of it. Whereas we can, we can work with the MCV, we go into it as a specific temperature and then we can raise gradually or quickly and stop at certain standpoints and stand times um, to be able to do things like a Beta gluten stand at the start, then protein rest. Uh, then you have you're working into your windows where your enzymes um, will start to break down, and so you get a conversion, a, a full conversion, and so it's it's you're breaking down. You're not just it's not just a token gesture um, to be putting in the oats and the rye and or, or, or wheat or whatever. If, if if they're not being converted and broken down into something um, that can be transferred into the, the fermentation vessel and be fermented ultimately, then it's kind of pointless uh, pointless exercise um but if, uh, also if you don't if you don't do things like your your beta gluten stand at the start you 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 basically if I'm, I'm sure your listeners are going to have experienced sort of bowl of porridges that's oats um, so if you if you heat put in hot water into oats it turns into a big bowl of gluten porridge um that's not going to be very easy to get back out of a vessel. Um, so temperature stands are very important for processing these different grains. Otherwise, you end up with a big pot of wallpaper paste. Um, and I imagine wallpaper paste isn't ideal for lettering out. Um, well, well, yeah, you have a little <laughs> perforated floor on the base that um, that is meant to allow the the water or the wort to pass out and the liquid to pass out and the grains to stay behind but if the liquid has just become absorbed into this big gloopy mess nothing comes out and then um yeah you're left with a big mass of pot of two tons worth of, of porridge that um that what do you do with first of all you get no extract and that's disappointing but you also have to get it out of your tank so um someone's in with a shovel and yeah, yeah. Uh, thankfully, that didn't have to happen because um, the, the the beauty of the facility here and the ease of working 
is that it's so automated. It does a lot of the tasks for you. Even the drafting out of the brain is all is all um, push of a button, but the push of the button is meant to process the grains that was meant to be just the husks and whatever's left behind. It's not meant to be able to draft out two tons of porridge. So, um, like I say myself about my enthusiasm, it was just enthusiasm and nothing really else. Slight concerns, but um, the guys who Briggs who installed the the mashing equipment here categorically said having look we we ran certain mash bills by them and for their advice and and they're and they're okay and they categorically said that they wouldn't be held accountable sure what are we to do these mash bills because of the difficulties where we're going most likely face um so coming back to the earlier point of being a little bit maybe silly sometimes put it mildly and it still wants to do want to plow ahead and do it but um and they were worried about this exact cementing kind of yeah yeah like if you if you don't if you don't if you yeah if you don't get if you don't get it right like the idea the idea is that if you get your temperature stands right you basically dissolve the the internals of the of the different grains you break them down into into sugars that are soluble and then and that flows like a liquid out of it. It, it, it but if you don't get a temperature right and if you don't get it bang on and you don't get the conversions or whatever you instead is turn it into more or less a, a, not only a solid but a solid that's very sticky as well so um so yeah it's 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 like yeah like two tons worth of say wallpaper paste inside there um with all this grain so um and then <laughs> they were envisaging i suppose phone calls from ourselves saying right how do we get these two, two ton of water vapor paste out and and Beyond, like you said, a sh hopping in with a shovel, uh, yeah, there's not much else you can uh, really do with it. But thankfully, thankfully that wasn't the case. We, we were right to have faith in the equipment um, and our own processes, and we were able to process it all, uh, thankfully. And, and I mean, there was, you know, I mentioned at the beginning uh, or at the top of the, the recording that these were all very new quantities of these exogenous adjunct grains like oats, wheat and rye, the people in really in Ireland, there isn't a, a, a linear um, historic knowledge of processing that's around anymore. So there was there was good knowledge, I presume, amongst the team of theoretically what would happen, but has anyone actually distilled on the team anything like this before? I know you said a little bit um, on smaller scales. Yeah, well, well, well uh, thankfully, um, thankfully, one of our distillers here, Alex, uh, actually did a thesis inspired by uh, putting what Fanon's, many of Fanon's talks and, and, and Fanon's uh, writings he's done previously on these mash bills and actually putting it into theory of what would actually happen if you try to process it. Because it's all fine for, and this is not meant to disrespect to Fanon, but it's all fine to be going, oh, it'd be great if somebody made whiskey out of whatever raw ingredients, but it, it might not, may not know in the background, or he may not have the same understanding of his right what that actually entails the actual process and and so there there's many twists in the tales as to why they disappeared uh these different uh, grains and it's sometimes oversimplified i don't think it's any one thing or even any five or six things that caused this um but one of the, the issues is processing the grains but um yeah uh alex had had done uh thesis and, and had done so on a small scale um different uh, it was own little experiments um, while studying at Harry Watt on what would happen with putting in specific temperature sands in place when processing oats. So that was incredibly reassuring for us before we even started that right, right, 
if he's confident having done all of this um, it's all fine to be confident it's all it's all fine to be confident it's all fine to trust the science but when you can't point to a single other distillery that's doing it really um, there's no one you can ask there's nobody and you're then taking this chance uh, it's it, look, look it's a very simple science it was a science that was around 100 years ago they were doing it in all of these distilleries but like you said there's no linear there's nothing there's no actual in all of Fran's research, there's nothing found on what they actually did to process it, especially like they, they, they didn't have MCBs back in the day. So what were they doing to actually do it um, or to process these grains? But yeah, it, look, there was cause for, you're a bit, you're kind of, it's not fair to say like that you're completely working in the dark because it's a simple enough science that's been around since the Egyptians, but at the same time, um, at the same time we wanted to we wanted like we wanted to do it properly we don't want to just be token gesture yeah we put in the oats but nothing really happened it was really still just malt that was capable of creating your extract um so yeah so we 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 had done a lot of research the the, the other part i suppose the, the thing that was made more difficult uh by fanon um now fanon is doing this for his his uh, his phd and he's ultimately wants to taste and compare these distillates and doesn't want there to be anything that you could point to as being a reason for one tasting differently to the other other than the different um, recipes. So we had to, although you process certain grains differently, we had to mash in uniform. So we had to do a uniform mash in. So you're, you're kind of holding variables constant in that point. It's just the grains or the different parts. Yeah. So, so like I said, you 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 could mash in with 100% malt, and you'd only really have to go in at 16 and fine. But for using things like unmalted barley, you'd have to do a protein stand for your your oats. You have to do base gluten stand. But there were certain mashables that had some of these ingredients, certain mashables that didn't, and so you we would if we were in a normal course of events, you would mash in specific, and only carry out what was necessary to mash in. With this individual each individual recipe but um, and that i'm sure most people follow that standard logic but at the same time we didn't want it to be pointed out that no the reason this mash bill is different to this is that you did a protein rest and you didn't do a protein rest here um where you fermented for this long yeah you're free yeah or, and that so that that trend follows right through so we, we fermented for the exact same amount of time uh using the exact same uh yeast um the exact same quantities, the exact same everything. Um, well, and same again with the cut points. And yeah, so distillation again. So the distillation, so we had to do, we had to do uh, cutting points. We had to do cutting points. Um, we'd predetermine our cutting points because for the same reason that we, if you, if you as is evident across the single vault whiskey category, um, like if you cut at certain points, you can make drastically different distillates. Um, so we had to, where best we could, um, put in identical cutting points. There's a couple of different ways that you could have a set uniform um, cutting point. We 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 um, cho uh, chose to focus in on the actual the the ABV, the final ABV, or the tails cut. Um, your your heads cut, or your 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 initial ABV, your initial ABV that you get off the still is kind of directly proportional to the ABV you wash. If you go in, if you go in at a higher ABV and your your wash your wash at the beginning, you will get a higher ABV distillate out of 
your wash still. If you take that higher ABV, distill out your wash still and put it into the intermediate, that will in turn create a higher ABV out of the intermediate, which will create a higher ABV, ABV out of the, the spirit. So it, it, it's more so on the tails where we, we can put it, and we have to leave ourselves enough leeway for there to be very poor yields because it wasn't beyond, in fact, we were specifically told we were going to have very poor levels of extract from certain mash bills within this. Um, uh, that, that, that wasn't really the case though, was it? Not, not necessarily at all, no. Um, maybe poorer in, uh, poor in comparison to yields that you could so get. A single malt. A single malt, <laughs> but relatively not very far off. Um, especially considering uh, we, we weren't using any uh, exogenous en enzymes or anything like that, we, we had to try and keep it in uh, somewhat relative to the way it was being done at the time, so we weren't just cheating and shocking in a heap of enzyme either, um, although that would have probably been a nice uh, addition and will probably bump up the, the yields a little bit. Uh, yeah, it helped the yields and help to break down and, and your runoff and everything else, but um, for that reason then we, we put quite a late ABV or a, a late cut, so a kind of tailsy cut in place, so that um, like if we started off, we started off with the easier mash bills that were going to be higher yields, but you just it, have bear in mind that down the tracks so you could get something that could go in at, whereas uh, a single malt, single malt wash would be maybe somewhere around eight percent, um, if we and that would create a distillate or whatever down far end up in the eighties um, in ABV from the spirit, you could. We could end up having a yield of four percent or something and that wouldn't get to the same level so uh, we had quite a tailsy cut in place to protect ourselves to make sure that we were able to collect we, we couldn't we couldn't definitively collect would say a thousand liters from every spirit distillation or two thousand liters or whatever else because you never know again comes down to yield you could end up having to collect uh, in, 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 um, you'd end up having to collect maybe very tailsy things and so I think to keep consistency um, we we had the same tails cut point but as it turned out then we got very similar in fact almost identical yields across all of the mash bills which meant that they were distilled almost identically they had the same heads cutting point the same tails and the same yields are very similar yields um, and do you think that the the yields coming from that are just that each grain is equally as uh, as full of fermentable sugars as each other, or that the MCV did its job of, of breaking them down efficiently. Um. Yeah. I. I think. I. I. I know. Well, like there was there was a drop off. Obviously, there was a drop off when you when you dropped off on a malt for two reasons. There, you don't. You your, your malt is full of extract, and your malt is also full of enzymes. So, um, you could plot it that if, as you reduce your malt, you are getting a reduction, but nothing as dramatic. Like it wasn't. There was maybe like. There was maybe a, a ten percent reduction, ten to fifteen, I'd say, percent reduction in the highest yielding compared to the lowest yielding, and so. Um, but you are going to have lower yields from these these other these other adjuncts, certainly. But it was, I would I would be very fearful of doing this if we had the MCV. I don't think we get anywhere near the yields, and we would have had a hell of a lot more bones of porridge. <laughs> um, than, than what we ended up producing, um, so it has been. It has. It has been. Like it was one of the most. Uh, was actually yourself that showed me around the distillery for the first time. But the first time I came, it was the. It was probably it was up there as one of the most. Uh, the exciting parts of, of 
stepping foot in the distillery, having something that could just, it's just a simple bit of kit, but it just gives you that freedom to be able to process um, these grains without having to have the same concerns that, it's not to say it's impossible, but I wouldn't like to do it in um, in just a simple, straight up um, a mash or a router tub. So then when it came time to actually sit down and, and find all these grains, because uh, up to this point you weren't using any oats or wheat or rye, um, was it was it easy to find local local grains or some in season, some not grown in Ireland? Like what was the um, what was the, the thankfully thankfully it was very easy in that uh, <laughs> the first people that I rang had it and they were the, only, <laughs> like, the days there was I I first I I'm going to give them a plug because they're well due and that's the uh, Lockrens Lockrens um Lockrens family malt um they up by Dundalk so they're not too far away and it came in very useful when we about, something, about 20 minute drive from this uh, yeah and, and they, yeah uh, Angus there had to make the 20 minute drive more than once to drop down a few bags of oats because um yeah we uh, and 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 oats and rye and wheat over the course of weekends and stuff like that because we we, we we expected to have we expected to be producing at a slower rate than what we did we thought we were going to have runoffs that were going to take where a normal runoff would take six hours or five or six hours we were expecting to have a lot slower transfer rate so you'd only get where we're getting two mashes done a day previously we were only ex expecting to get one done and that wasn't the case it, it ran off perfect and so we would get a second mashing in a day but of course that meant we ran out of grains and i would be making a phone call to angus and thankfully he was only and we're, and we're not talking small quantities like the the oats i think you said before was 40 ton of oats or something oh not quite 40 ton but yeah we're talking yeah tons and tons so he didn't put all he didn't put yeah, tons yeah. of it into the boot of the car but uh yeah that, they, they, like so um yeah it all came from it all came from their farm they, they thankfully the, the, the guys in Lockrens are, are trying to get more and more they do a lot of speciality malts they do um a lot of speciality hops for craft brewery breweries in the country um uh more so than than the distilleries um we we would get we would get grains that malted and unmalted barley that we would be using in our our standard mash. Uh, we would just get in it's in blown in in twenty eight ton trucks. trucks. Um, whereas the adjuncts we had the hopper so we could we had a break in the line basically where we could put in in bags. But we wouldn't normally under normal course of events we wouldn't be processing in bags. Where guys in Lockrens it's largely in in twenty five kg or or up to a half ton or ton bags that we could get in. Um, but you're but, still looking at large quantities of these grains. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just uh, a couple of seeds. No, no, no. And that, well, I th think that's the whole purpose of the project was to prove that you could use large quantities. Our mash is a two-ton mash. I know uh, if, if, if for any of the listeners that are um, that are wondering why I'm not I'm beating around the bush or not getting into specifics, uh, part of the project with with Fanon is uh, that. He's gathered a panel of like 20, 27, 20, 27 now, um, industry experts, so head distillers and blenders from different distilleries around uh, the country. And he's uh, put together a panel. And so they're going to taste these distillates and uh, rank them and, and, and give their thoughts and, and everything else. But uh, and it's under blind conditions. Yeah, completely blind. And in fairness, he's put in great effort to make sure that they're, um, it's completely blind. And so anybody that's tasting any discipline and mark, marking it or ranking it or or, 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 or giving tasting notes or whatever else, they're complete. They're completely unaware, not being led. So that's why we can't get into specifics of what the ratios, what the recipes were. Um, but 
the whole purpose of it was, I'm so sure anybody, those even on the panel are aware, it's to prove that higher quantities. So the, the technical file at the moment are Irish pots that can only be classified as pots that if it's um, if it has 5% or less of other grains besides malt or unmalted barley. Uh, whereas this was to showcase that what would, what or to investigate what would happen were you to go beyond that. Because there is historical precedent for distilleries using a lot more than the 5%. So that's what we said about. So it's more than 5% of a two ton mash and we we're doing two a day for six or eight weeks so we, we use a nice bit of grain um a, a nice touch of it like the project kind of came about so quick that um it was we were we were really it wasn't like a year out we were getting people to sow it and our our harvest or anything else but thankfully the guys in Lochran's are are they have their own farm and, and they've started um they've started growing their own wheat rye and oats so um they had it there ready, pretty much ready to go. And so they set aside, I was able to tell them a couple of months before the project and they were able to set aside the grains for ourselves. So it was all grown in County Loud and not too far from the distillery. We're best in being in Wine Valley and up in the neck of the woods that you can grow these um, other grains, even though oats would probably grow quite well around. Anywhere really. Uh, yeah, yeah, anywhere around. <laughs> a bit of soil, a bit of water. Yeah, so yeah, but but it's 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 that the actual use of oats and outside of feed and 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 rye for bread and like there's it's very used very little, very sparsely in the in the in the brewing or the brewing, particularly brewing for distilling, um, maybe the more craft beers you're using them, but um, it's on a small scale. But the guys in Lochran's had had uh so on sun. Um, and harvested it and have sown a lot more for next year um, which we, we hope to be given the success internally of this project um, we will hope to use a lot more but so um, it'll be something it'll be a relationship that we hope to build on it's tampered somewhat that all of it currently as uh, it would be non-GI compliant um, that's not something that well I, I don't know that it bothers me I, I just I think it's an absolutely incredible distillate. Um, I won't get into the politics of the, the GI or whatever, but um, there's whether there's precedent or not, I know that that this tastes good. This tastes good. <laughs> it's not. It's certainly not. It's not that it brings in some kind of incredibly off note or anything like that. Introducing introducing your oats, your wheat, and your rye does um, interesting things. Uh, there's a Latin phrase, Joe Joyce. A uh, former colleague of mine uh, uses a lot, and uh, I sometimes steal to give a false perception of my intelligence. It's de gustibus non est disputantum, which apparently now it could mean anything. It's like probably people have Chinese writing tattooed on their arm, and it doesn't mean at all what they think. But Joe told me that that means in matters of taste, there can be no dispute. Just because you like the taste of one thing doesn't mean that somebody else will necessarily like it, or vice versa. Um, as long as the quality is upheld, that is. A, a, uh, quality is different to flavor profile um but there your the quality is more than good enough from these grains you can produce very interesting flavor profiles that have a place at the table um there will be i'm absolutely certain of it having not shared it with anybody but i'm absolutely certain that people will be incredibly impressed by these different distillates and ultimately very impressed by the whiskies and whether you call it pot still or not um doesn't really 
it, it does bother me, but ultimately it won't stop me drinking it just because it doesn't have pot still on the label. So uh, we'll see. Um, but it probably will depend on the amount we'll um, be able to do with the guys. But it's great that to have someone so so local. Um, I don't know that there were many options beyond them. If we were to go further afield than having to leave the own county, but we didn't, as it turned out, have to go. Um, and they were very good. Got the affairs. Again, I'll thank them again. The guys in Lockruns were brilliant. Um, the guys in Lockruns were brilliant. They, they, they helped us out big time. And uh, they've already, it's, it's hopefully, uh, we've already started to work on, they've started, they've sown a heap more rye and everything for next year. Because it wouldn't, like I said, it wouldn't be a grain that would be, um, there would be massive uh, demand for but they're hoping that that will change. So they've started, um, or, uh, they've started, they've sown a lot of rye and, and oats and wheat uh, already envisaging that there will be an even further demand. And I hope, personally, I hope that we, if nobody else uses it, I hope we use a lot of it ourselves because, um, uh, yeah, no, it was, it's created the distillate. The distillate has far surpassed my expectations. And I, I know that I would have, I would have been saying that just to let you in the secret, I'd be willing to lie. <laughs> to say it was brilliant, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't be sitting here telling you it was a waste of time and it all tasted horrible. But uh, it, it, all all of the mash bills, I nearly said the number, and I would have gotten in trouble with phenomenal. Yeah. All of the mash bills have um, different qualities. Some I prefer over others. Some grains impacts I uh, preferred over others. The relationship between certain grains I preferred over others. But all of them produced a flavor profile that, like I said, deserves a place um so your, your internal argument is more which is my favorite rather than which which is good and which is not good uh yeah yeah and, and did other people in the room prefer the, the grains that you didn't prefer um so there's kind of swings and roundabouts well, that, that's it. i don't see like when we when we when we spoke about this part of the thing was a bit of a case study on myself and my own thoughts on it and whatever and Got myself a bit worried. Like the worst thing that could come out of this, in a sense, we thought before was that it would be like a scatter chart that there would be inconclusive results that they'd be all but nobody'd really have a favorite, and we wouldn't really there'd be nothing to talk. But the I think there's going to be I personally think there's going to be a scatter chart of results, and that different people would pick favorite and whatever. There would be clearly there's clearly specific favor profiles that are more evident in one, and some are sweeter or whatever than others. But um, it's not to say that I might prefer a sweeter whiskey, somebody might prefer something that's more spry and peppery and not to the same level of sweetness or whatever else. And so um, I think there would be, there's a lot of, um, it's been <laughs> it's been discussed, it was been discussed on almost a daily, in fact, I'd say not even almost, definitely a daily basis there, like tasting again and again and again about which was our favorite and which one, and you had no shortage of volunteers um to take part in it and it was just um because it was such a even for a raw spirit and that that's one thing that again uh, not to again sing the praise the distillery here has um the distillery here has some very good stills and that use uh nanotechnology which is basically a an uneven or surface on the inside of the stills which vastly increases the copper contact so i was talking about a tails here cut um you'd have fears going to with it more tasty, then you start bringing more impurities into it. Like, ultimately, I'm going to take all the credit from Fernanda or that I can. That this is a great distillate, ultimately, a great whiskey because I brewed it fantastically and I did a great job with my cutting points and the stills or whatever. But the equipment here, um, the 
Quitting here made my my job a lot easier. Um, uh, it, it, they all turned out very good. Um, so, uh, yeah. So there's going to be there's going to be an interesting discussion had at on that day whenever it ultimately is when we have those twenty seven or so people and they do their tasting. But ultimately, I can't wait to share with the broader public as well. Like and and because I'm sure there's many of your listeners here that have sat around and listened to Fanon or others talk about. Oh, did you know that pot still back in the day had whatever quantity of oats and had a way higher quantity of rye and it did it for this reason or they did it for that reason? Um and are being eager, like I know that I was. It's like oh, it's great talking about whiskey. <laughs> it's great talking about whiskey, or even sitting listening to people talking about whiskey in this case, but there's not it's not quite as enjoyable as actually getting to taste it. And so I'm very much looking forward to um to yeah, and seeing what the broader public um, sees and whether they whether they agree with me. And so then we come back to your point of having a favourite. I see merit. I genuinely see merit in it. It's 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 made things hell of a lot more difficult to try and decide what mash bill or what kind of a discipline we go forward with here because there's to try and narrow it down. It's like yeah yeah. You, right we'll pick this one over that one and you're still talking about multiple mash bills and the thing out of it is that there's at least four or five mash bills that aren't part of it so when we talked about like i'm, ha- I'm happy with the quantity but it maybe needs a little bit more of that coming out of it i'm not only taking what some inspired to use some of the mash bills that on has presented to us but actually expanding on that which, and taking what you learned taking what i learned and then applying it and so maybe uh, maybe a distillery back in what, 150 years ago had this recipe and it was quite good but now that we had the we have the we we're lucky enough to have a mash bill that was from 80 or 90 years ago that was different but in a slight and that there's a middle ground between the two that maybe would be more of a sweet spot um but yeah no it's uh it's 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 the idea the idea that i think that i'm not going to rattle off the the, the, the actual the, the title but finance part of the title was how to apply it in a modern and like you could take it and the idea i think was to try and clear the muddy waters and that this is a specific mash but that would work in modern times in fact it's nearly it's nearly it's 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 added a lot of clarity to myself and, and answered a lot of questions all right what happens can is it possible to go this high with this ratio of whatever adjunct and uh, so answered a lot of them and what would happen when you do it um, but to add, to give like oh and this is the perfect mash bill um, I don't know that there is a perfect mash bill first of all because going back to the Degusti bus everyone has their own um, everyone has their own favourites as to different styles like there's there's different people who have different distilleries around the country that they prefer different distilleries around the, the world that would prefer and even diff, different different styles within those different categories so there's no um, there's no perfect discipline there's no perfect whiskey and that's the beauty of the industry everyone will have their own favorites um but uh yeah uh, we've added we've added a few more um we've added a few more distillates i hope to people's favorite list somewhere down the line so just before we go on i do want to say a big thank you to our sponsors of this episode so to cologne the true distillery dedicated to transparency cast strength bottlings with integrity without color or filtration cologne distillery the past and the future of irish pot still whiskey the PX series from WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants, gently finished in sherry casks, a different kind of Irish. Follow O'Connell Whiskey across all platforms or visit wdoconnell.com for more details and of course irishmalts.com. 
new whiskies, old whiskies, and everything in between. Delivered to Ireland, UK, Europe, and most US states, visit irishmalts.com to browse their full range of whiskies, including the Cologne whiskies, the WD O'Connell whiskies, as well as, of course, the Bowan Whistler range. So, Michael, I know that one thing that um, you were saying there about Fanon's blind sensory analysis tasting is we can't really go into the mash bills and whatnot um, of the specific vintage mash bills that he distilled that people will be tasting. But the two of us have uh, a glass in front of us each and a nice little capita um, of uh, distillate um, that's not from the vintage mash bills, but we've distilled since from the kind of learnings. Um, can you deep dive us into, or maybe even just cursory glance into the, what, what this is and whether it's a part of the kind of Boan story going forwards? Um, yeah, so this this distillate... Um, it's very good of you to hold up the glass to the uh, microphone. Yeah. Well, I'm holding up to the microphone. The microphone happens to be very close to the mouth, my mouth and that's where the glass, I can tell you, is going. But um, yeah, the, the distillate in this is partly, I suppose, like I said, we, we took learnings from and, and have uh, learnings from the whole mash bill uh, or vintage mash bill exercise that we want to take forward. But um, one of the brands, a historic brand that uh, has particular re relevance to uh, the distillery here, but maybe less so to the distillery here, but the town of Drada um, is the Preston's brand. Um, and so Preston's is a, a, a whiskey brand that has been gone for uh, like all of these vintage mashables, the, the distillates or the, the whiskey brands that would have been associated with each are gone. Um, Preston's was a, a sourced whiskey. They got their whiskey from another distillery um, and they had that had a specific mashable and, and Fanon was able to unearth that. Um, and so we we decided to try and resurrect as that as well as the others. Um, it also happened to be uh, one of the mashables that included the maltinal malt barley obviously but also included all of the adjuncts so the wheat the rye and the oats um, in various proportions um, and so in decent enough quantities from what yeah it's in yeah so it, it, it put as far as the, the level of the adjuncts I think it's, just, it's as high when you add the, the three adjuncts together it's as high a, a, a proportion of, a ma of the mash bill as we did um, but yeah it, it, it's it's um, it's one of it's one of my favorites of them maybe because I got to use that all of the different adjuncts but um, but yeah you got you got like it, it's been the most fascinating parts probably for myself was not just that oh if you add in oh look this is complete like, if you add in we say oats that it brought in a blueberry you note know, would say for it, that's not what happens but we'll say for argument's sake that's what happened but it's not to say that if you just bring in more oats it tastes more of blueberry if you bring in oats but then you have the ratio of malt to barley depending on the amount of malt to barley it does a very different thing when the, the malt content is higher than what, what it does when the barley content is higher um, and of course when you bring in more oats you're taking away from yeah, so that's, that's add up to hundred percent. So yeah, that's it. You, you can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't take a 50-50 mash bill and then add twenty percent. Like obviously, it, it comes out of somewhere else uh, in the ratio. Um, so it's not just a singer when you're adding in. No, maybe bits like your your your. I was going to say your rice is kind of like your pepper shaker, kind of um, that little bit of spryness into it. But um, but no, it's it's kind of it, it's not as clear cut to track it that it suddenly gets sweeter when you add, or it's a certain type of sweetness when you bring in this grain or this other. There's um, 
there's all kinds of and that's led to like I said the the the, the exciting part that's come out of the project or the overcomplication it hasn't given any clear answers yeah if you want to if you want a whiskey that tastes more of this you have to just simply add in this grain um you have to think about how it plays off off maybe all the, the others and that's where I suppose single malt is nice and simple pot still is even kind of simple as well you're playing one against the others but um when you're adding in an adjunct do you take it out of one do you take it out of the other do you take it out of both do you whatever um but yeah this has been the Preston's brand or uh, sorry it's the Preston's part of your Preston's brand Smashville um which had all all three of those adjuncts um not far off what I like this touchdown of like it's it's in the middle grounds whether I'd like to carry forward um as an ideal Mashville um I, I I won't mention I can't mention the distillery that they came from but they didn't do bad for themselves out of it anyway out of this Mashville um and yeah it's not hard to see why um so yeah no, this and, and it's quite it's quite different from what we just know the flavor profile of single pastel today yeah I, I th yeah I think some more so than others but they but in, like it's in, some incredibly different um but still like still still in the ballpark where you think of spry and sweet and lively it just has more body to it more depth to it something that jesus it's not it's not to say it can't be found in the irish whiskey but there's not enough of in the irish whiskey category there you could probably a nice broad base but the, the higher qualities there are very high quality distillates but just um from one or two distilleries making one or two mash builds really is the older stock uh, the higher quality stock so uh, it's nice to be able to broaden and to show um real depth to flavor profile without completely going off the walls and making something that's just has no relevance at all to the, to the possible and that's that's part of it's worth saying as well part of um Fanon's, uh research or part of his part of the brief was that it was capped at a certain level it's not we haven't just turned we haven't ran, lost the run of ourselves and made a hundred percent whatever oats or rye or anything else whiskey that would have presented this challenge to see but the we haven't gone off the wall it's too high so it's um it's staying re staying true to the characteristics or what people would most associated with the pot still style and what they liked about it um, but just slightly expanding on it slightly pushing the broad boundaries a little bit broader um, and introducing um, a little bit more uh, a little bit more complexity to to the category hopefully and it's interesting because this this Fanon is often fond of saying that like to innovate is to do exactly what we did 200 years ago so you know you're saying that there's you're looking it's it's quite similar to the pozzo we know now it's it's almost funny to say that the pozzo we know now is quite similar to what it was in in certain ways and and even the fact we spoke about before there is no kind of living historic living memory of of working with these grains while it's historic it's really the beginning of a different story or even the rebirth of the same story yeah like like i, I would like i'm very like uh, the into my history and I, I, obviously i Big part of what I love about 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 this industry is more so than uh, like like I love the job on so many different levels, but um, it's something that as a nation, if you wanted to get really patriotic about it, it's something that we did, like you can talk about give them to the world. We were a powerhouse whiskey production. It, it, it we as the world became more global and and whiskey spread around. A lot of it has its roots in in the way Irish whiskey was. We were incredibly or still are incredibly 
good at doing it. It is a, an art or a, an art form or a, 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 an industry that um, we were always and always have been incredibly good at making uh, good whiskey and, and it uh, and you want to pay homage to that. You want to just turn around and go, yeah, that's this great category. And you know what I mean? To be flipped on its head, like innovation. Um, innovation. You should only. Uh, it's all fine to create. It's all fine to be creating all of these interesting. Um, distillates or products they have their base but if you want to associate yourself with a, a category you should pay some homage to it now what most of your listeners or even I have tasted as far as hot pots that this is probably pushing its boundaries beyond um, as far as using different adjuncts of grains or whatever but he has probably more historic as Fanon has said about uh, and has found in his research he probably has more historic precedent than most, uh, many it, it's probably closer to what a lot of this was made, obviously, because it's taken from Mashbills, from distilleries that were operating 100 years ago. Um, but that's not to say, obviously, the Mashbills that people are more familiar with now are Potsdam Mashbills, are incredibly good. The Potsdam produced in this country is some of the best whiskey that's produced anywhere, or best spirit that's produced anywhere in the world. Um, so there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's not, nobody's trying to stop any of that being produced. Um, but only just trying to maybe uh, to explore further what it was that was being produced before and doesn't have any relevance um, today. He he certainly won me over anyway. Um, with, it remains to be seen if anybody uh, will will uh, will agree with us. But but yeah, like it's 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 it is it is something that's I suppose uh, more reassuring in it that you're not just turning around. Like there's there's other nations, distilling nations. There's other craft breweries and distilleries around the world that are taking and bringing in a lot more alien things than boats into their mash bills um, and not necessarily uh, not necessarily there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but it, it is somewhat reassuring that you're you're not just turning around and we're not just introducing quinoa or something into the to the mash bills and trying to although it might create a wonderful distillate it's not possible it's not part of our heritage or in that sense um, but this very much is firmly rooted in the heritage of the industry and the, the country as a whole um so uh you know it's nice to be innovative but it's not exactly the most innovative we've literally just copied and pasted what guys were at 100 years ago in a sense and, and then where we've been where we've been more blessed i like i said coming back to the original point i made at the very start of the recording like we have we're blessed my job was made a hell of a lot easier than i was should i have been doing this 100 years ago when all of this distance were being produced uh, they didn't have they didn't have all the wonderful modern technology that I can avail of. They, they don't. They didn't have their automated draft out sequences or anything like that or MCVs to, to. Um, Fair bit of hard probably made. Yeah, yeah, like you have to imagine. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's nice to it's nice to be part of such a, a project where we're getting to to pay homage to that. Um, it's very topical for very different reasons probably at the moment with the the technical file being up and debated and whatever else, but. Leaving all that aside, it doesn't really matter. At the, ultimately, at the end of the day, this will give people a bit of a clearer picture, not just not just what reading about it in books or listening to it on podcasts. That they'll actually have a discipline now at the end of this that would be they'll be able to taste and maybe have something more tangible when when to kind of draw back to what Irish whiskey once was um, and what it would be like. Uh, and maybe you'll find out that. You think oats is an absolute waste of time <laughs> to be introduced into mash but at least the question will be answered um because like i look there is there is the, the oats and 
and rye and whatever are, are used in different mash bills around the world, or, well not oats I suppose, but wheat and, and rye, but uh, it's not distilled the same way, it's not done the same way that we do here. Um, so it's, yeah. Well Michael, I very much look forward to tasting more of your distillate as the, as the years go on and learning about what your Boan house mash bills will go on to become after all of your learnings from this project. Um, a very big thank you to uh, yourself and, and Boan Distillery and then of course uh, Mr. Fanon O'Connor for, for sharing with us in the previous episode and what no doubt he'll continue to share with the industry um, through his PhD and general yarnings about, about the history of the industry. Uh, and a very big thank you to uh, our sponsors for this quarantine series, uh, irishmalts.com, WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants and of course Cologne Distillery. Um, Michael, this has been a very interesting chat and I uh, really appreciate it and um, I suppose maybe next time we are talking on air we'll, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about the, the distillates that uh, Fanon uh, uh, brought to you. Yeah, I know I'd love to have gone probably more into more specifics and I'm sure we will when we, uh, when we get to bring this to the broader public but I echo some of the thanks that you said there. Um, obviously we'd like to thank the, the, the Clooney family and the guys at Boan. Uh, this is something that uh, I and a few others have been very passionate as whiskey heads interested in doing. They didn't have to, a great expense in themselves and I suppose took up a lot of time um, in the distillery to actually set aside to do that. There is credit, great credit due to them. Um, I'd like to thank them. Obviously like to thank Fanon, like uh, in fairness, like again, it's, it's an academic work he didn't want. He, he didn't want he didn't want any payment. He doesn't. He's not doing this for any reason other than he's fascinated by it, and uh, it's a history that he wants to uncover and share with the broader public. A lot of what I know about Ireland, in fact, almost most of what I and many others, I suppose, in the same boat, know about Ireland's history and industry, um, and a lot of the passion I have for my job is from what I've heard and what I've learned from Phenomenon. I loved an industry anyway, but there's so much more uh, to it when you when you you come out of a room having listened to Phenomenon. Um, you've, you've you've mentioned them a couple of times. Uh, the only one of the other the only other distilleries in the country that we did um, work with or ask for advice on was Cologne. The guys have a very different um, way of doing it with your flame fed, fed Pot still punching. Uh, you you got that out in one go, but not the the what the single volume or whatever. You, but but uh, Brendan Cologne, um, they were very forthcoming with, with any bits of advice as well. Um, and the guys in Lockrens and but finally the the guys the, the twenty seven or so men and women that are going to be part of this panel, they're um, it, it's they're obviously they're chosen because they're. They're industry experts. They're incredibly good at their job. Flavor uh, makers and creators. Yeah, flavor makers and creators. But they have a skill set that adds uh, a lot of validity to Fanon's findings. It's all fine for it's all fine for me or Fanon or anybody else to say to take this distill and say, Jesus, the old tastes great. But um, we really be able to to, to use their skill set to analyze um, and to no gain of their own. Again, this is uh, it's one thing that I found from the industry. I've been part of the industry for. Probably what eight years now, and uh, and what I've found the whole way through um, is that no matter pretty much who you go to, they they can't be more supportive and more forthcoming with information or anything that they've learned. Um, it's something that the industry has needed for the last eight years. The cooperation of others because there's so many new distilleries. I'm a young distiller. Um, I by no means have all the answers. Um, um, but I've never been shut down with anyone, and that's evident again by Fanon when he's gone. 
um, and been able to assemble 27 bodies. So I thank every one of them that have willingly participated or are willing to participate um, in that. It's it, it's um, it's very much appreciated by myself uh, and I'm sure for Lauren as well. So yeah, thank you. Give me the market. Yeah, awesome. Thank you.